Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
why you ever chose me has always been a mystery all my life i've been told i belong at the end of the line with all the other not quite with all the never get it right but it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time because i'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul and ever since you rescued me gave my heart a song to sing i've been living for the world to see nobody but jesus stage fright and David brought a rock to a sword fight you picked 12 outsiders nobody could have chosen and you changed the world well the moral of the story is everybody's got a purpose so when you hear that devil start talking to me saying who do you think you are I say I'm just a nobody trying to Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn down. 
to praise when the darkness closes in lord still i Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name. If you don't, it's real easy to sing along.
If you are lonely, when you feel afraid, you're not the only. We are all the same, in need of mercy, to be forgiven and be free. It's all you've got to lean on, but thank God that's all you need. And all the people said amen. Whoa, 
And all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. If you're rich or poor, well, it don't matter. Weak or strong, you know love is what we're after. We're all broken, but we're all in this together. God knows we stumble and fall. And God so loved the world, he sent his son to save us all. And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. Blessed all the poor in spirit who are torn apart. Blessed all the persecuted and the pure in heart. Blessed all the people hungry for another start. For theirs is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Sing with us. And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. One more time. And all the people said amen. Whoa, and all the people said amen. Give thanks to the Lord for his love never ends. And all the people said amen. And all the people said amen. Amen. And all the people said. <laughs> all right. Y'all can uh, stand now. We're going to do a song that we've done before that you should know. Um, this song is uh, based on uh, uh, based on an invitation song that we all know, Just As I Am. And uh, David Crowder wrote this song. It's called Come As You Are. Uh, Just As I Am is from the perspective of the sinner in the pew. Um, giving up their old life, making a profession of faith, coming to the altar, accepting Christ in their life for the first time. So what Crowder did is he flipped a perspective on that. This is that same uh, salvation experience uh, from the perspective of God. And just so you know, it says, um, so lay down your burdens, lay down your shame, all who are broken, lift up your face, wonder or come home, you're not too far. Lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come near. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't hear. So lay down your burdens and lay down your shame. And all who are broken, lift up your face. Come home, you're not too far. So lay down your hurt and lay down your heart. Come as you are. 
There's hope for the hopeless and all those who have strayed. Come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, a rest that endures. And earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. So lay down your burdens and lay down your shame. And all who are broken, lift up your face. So lay down your hurt and lay down your heart. Come as you are. Come as you are. Fall in his arms. Come as you are. There's joy for the morning. Oh, sinner, be still. And earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Lay down your burdens and lay down your shame. And all who are broken. Lift up your face, oh wanderer, come home, you're not too far. So lay down your hurt and lay down your heart, come as you
Today you'll be listening to the message preached at Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message. a little bit and say poor Brad a six hour layover in Miami I mean you know that of course oh actually he's sitting in the airport so he's just smelling pretzels there probably two days old so so you know but we do need to pray for him Brazil uh, I spent the summer in Brazil when I was younger and um, back this last fall I was actually at Murray State speaking that thing and this kid came up to me and and he shared where he was from and I said hey I've been to that city I lived there I said I went to such such church he said I grew up in that church and come to find out, he was one of the little kids that was in the Sunday school program whenever I was there at that church for the summer. So we took a picture, and I knew his pastors. They had since then become pastors of that church, and it was just mind-blowing to me just how small the world really is. So today as we worship, let's remember Brother Brad as he and the rest of the team is down in Brazil, because God's going to use this in the generations ahead after you and I are with the Lord. Amen? So today, let's go ahead. We have a have a short amount of time, but we want to get straight to God's Word today. So if you will, go to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. And as I've been praying and thinking about this, Brad asked me, he said, Jack, will you come into the pulpit? I pastored here in this association. And he said, I just want you to come and preach as the Lord will lead you. So today I'm not here in my capacity as sunrise, but I'm just here as a fellow minister bringing the Word of God. And as I prayed, I believe that this is specifically, if you're here right now, or you're at home listening to this, this is a specific message that God has timed out in your life. God wants to speak to you personally today. And what I want to say to you is this, if you can, if you can just sum up this passage in one sentence, here's what it is. Through the church, God multiplies your joys and he divides your sorrows. Through the church, your church, God multiplies your joys and he divides your sorrows. God wanted you to be part of a church, amen, because Christ died for you. If you'll stand with me today, we're going to go to Acts chapter 2 for a reading of God's Word. In the Old Testament, they did this. In the New Testament, we're still doing this, and we will do it too. And here's where we begin today, just five short verses. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, the church that magnifies your joys but divides your sorrows. And here's what it says. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let us pray. Father, there are still people being saved. There's also your people in the church today who are still being changed. God, let your word speak to our hearts today that we might be changed still as you promised that you would change us. God, we come now. Let our hearts be ready to hear you. And this, Lord, we pray with thanks. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I didn't really grow up in a Baptist church, so when I came to Christ, I chose to be a Southern Baptist. 
And today, you know, I was going to start somewhere different, but after I watched the video, I was so glad you guys shared the Annie Armstrong video. I, I want to share this with you. Do you realize here in Marshall County, there was a boy who grew up who, who chose to become a Southern Baptist, and right now he is the vice president of the Arizona Baptist Convention. He's part of a ministry called Live Love Ministries, and he's helped plant churches, and he's adopted over nine children since he's lived out in Arizona. His name's Eric, and he came from right here in your county. In fact, for many of you, he attended the same school that either you have attended or you're currently attending. And God worked in his heart, and God's using him in a big way through the Annie Armstrong offering through NAM. Isn't that amazing to think about? That's how God works. Every church matters because together we're better together. Amen? But here's where this word picks up today. So this is the early church. This is the same city that has just watched Jesus crucified. And it's the same city that has just witnessed Jesus resurrected. And if you don't stop and think about that for a moment, we're the only religion in all the world that basically tells people that we believe that God came to the earth in the flesh and died for our sins personally and then conquered death and rose again. And if you can't accept the fact that that's pretty radical, I don't know what is. That's pretty radical. Had a lady one time, she told me, she said, Jack, you don't understand, my whole life's been pretty countercultural. I used to hang out with biker gangs. I said, I totally get you, I'm countercultural too. And she says, well, what do you do? I said, I'm, I'm a Baptist minister. <laughs> we preach a pretty countercultural message here, okay? We don't fit in. And this early church did not fit in, and they weren't concerned about fitting in because they had been changed by Jesus Christ. And here's what they did when they came together as a church, and this is so important that you catch this because I hear so many people complaining about church. If you're complaining about church, let me just be honest with you right now. This is the part you're supposed to be in the church. You get what you give, amen? You love your kids, you'll get some love back. You love your wife, you'll get some love back. She might even throw in some cookies. <laughs> but you get what you give. And the same is true with our walk with God. And here's what happens is this. It says, and they continue steadfastly. Now, steadfastly here, it's very important to catch this. They were devoted to living this way, is what this word means in the original Greek. This is how they were living their lives. It says right here, if you want to see how they were living their lives in the early day in the church, if you want to see how people are supposed to live their life in the church today, if you who profess Christ want to know how you're supposed to live your life, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is your life action. And here's what it says. It says, they were steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now, there are several things in this text, and because I told Kenneth I don't do overtime, I'm going to, if I run over, I'm just going to take Kenneth to lunch, and we're going to make him sit there and listen to the rest of this, okay? <laughs> and he'll fill you in, all right? Kenneth, where are you? I can't see you back there. Don't slump down, brother. Come back up there. You need this word. <laughs> they were steadfastly devoted to the doctrine. Now, what's the doctrine? What is the doctrine? The doctrine is the Word. Now it says in Romans chapter 10 that how can they believe unless it's preached to them? Amen? But what does it mean when the Word's preached to us? Here's what it means. It means this. In Ezekiel 36 he says, God said to the nation of Israel when He was proclaiming His Word. And Jesus came to fulfill the Word. Old Testament and New Testament. He says, I come to take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. 
Do you understand that if you're in Christ, you used to be hard-hearted towards the things of God? You were rebellious. You hated the things of God. For many of you who are young or are currently young, you didn't want to date the way the Word of God would have told you to date. You didn't want to read the Word of God and give it honor in your life. It just was contrary to everything that you were. And then he came in, he changed your heart. And Jesus says in John chapter 16, whenever he was getting ready to go to Jerusalem, he says, I must go so the great comforter can come and convict you of sin and righteousness. One day you finally were sitting there and as the Holy Spirit began to work on your heart, we've all gone through who've had Christ, you began to feel conviction over your sin. And you knew that you were not walking with the Lord and you knew that you needed Jesus. Amen. And for those who give their life to Christ, what that means is this was quite literally a radical heart transplant. He reached into your life and he changed you. I was talking to a dear brother yesterday who, uh, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of things over the last 20 years. But ever so often I still hear some things that I, I, I'm just caught off guard by. And as I listened to this brother talk, I, I listened and I knew that there was two things that I needed to acknowledge. And one was, hey, brother, I want to tell you, I've never been where you're at. I, I've just never been there. And neither have you. So that's why this is so difficult. He says, yes. And I said, but secondly, let me tell you what I do know. The tension, the stress that you feel right now in your life, the way you're fighting this and the way it's just working on you, that is the evidence of faith. And that's a good thing. You're wrestling because God's working in your life. Let's pray. Here's what they were doing in the early church. They had been changed. They had had a major heart change. And they knew they had came through hearing the Word of God. And guess what? They didn't just come to hear the Word of God once. They came again and again. You know what? If you didn't eat meat, by the way, you vegetarians catch this. If you don't eat meat, you become anemic, don't you? You can ask my wife, there was only two things I put my foot down in our marriage. One was we always eat meat. <laughs> Gotta have some meat, okay? Now I'm, I'm sure you can have beans and get your iron, you know, but I'm using a little humor. But how anemic do you become as a Christian when you don't get in the Word of God daily? You become anemic real quick. And if you're sitting around and you're just reading the newspapers and watching the news and you're not getting the Word of Hope, guess what you are getting? A lot of anxiety. And these people understood this. They were living in a city that right now Paul had not been changed. His name was Saul. And he was going about breathing threats against the church. And they were arresting people. And they were even putting people on trial. And they were killing people for their faith. That was going on in this city. But these people, they knew that by coming together, they were going to be identified as that church. But they couldn't help themselves because they knew that it was important for them to come together and hear the apostles' teaching. But you know what? So many times we don't make it a priority in our life. And that's why our hearts aren't being changed every day. If you want to experience God's radical work in your life, you're going to have to make a radical decision not to be apathetic toward God's Word. Amen? Do you read the Word daily? You should. 
So here's what happened. He was changing them through the Word. But then it says this, so they were together, they're reading the Word, they're spending time in the Word together, they're listening to it. You know, the apostles are getting up and they're talking about what the Word says about loving your brother, treating your neighbor, and they're doing these things. But here's what it says next, and, and we're going to walk through this verse for verse because it is so crucial. This is God's spoken Word. This is the Word in the flesh. This is God's presence right now speaking to you. And here's what it says. It says that, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and what else? Fellowship. They were fellowshipping. Now, when I came to Christ, I want to forget this. I heard, I heard something a few years ago, but I think it put it into t context for what happened for me. You see, a few years ago, I heard a guy speaking at a church conference, and he said, here's what they've discovered about people leaving the church. You've, we've all heard that when kids turn 18, 80% of them leave the church. Have we all heard that? But some churches have discovered that, that if they will do one thing in their church intentionally, 80% of these kids, when they turn 18, even if they leave their church geographically, they will find another church and be part of it. Well, when the guy said that, I leaned in, I thought, well, what is it? And here's what he said. He said, if no fear in five people who are not related to that child in that church, it doesn't matter their age, doesn't matter their gender, if they will take a personal interest and build a friendship with that child, then they will go and find a church somewhere else where they will build relationships. Now stop and think about that for a second. When the church was fellowshipping, what they were doing was they was getting what we call life on life. They were spending time together and getting to know each other. You know what? We were created to know God. We were created to be intimate creatures. In fact, when you sum up the Ten Commandments, the first five are about your relationship with God. The last five are about your relationship with other people. God did not intend for us to go it alone spiritually. Amen? So in the life of a church, when these people were coming together, they were sitting down and they were fellowshipping. Now, when I was a young man, I won't forget it, I heard... Uh, I was really impacted by the church, so when I went to Murray State, I remember I started plugging in with church, and, and over the years I've had a lot of lessons I won't forget, and I'll give you one of my favorite ones. It was from a, a lady who now is with the Lord, so I can use her first name. Her name was Roberta. Now I'm about 21 years old, and Roberta walks in one day with a glass dish, and she says, let me give you a life lesson, Jack. I said, yes, ma'am. And she was 78 at the time. Now when you're 21, 78 seems a lot older than it does now to me. Now it seems a lot younger. <laughs> I said, what's the lesson? She goes, well, all these other ladies in here, they're amateurs. I said, what, what do you mean, Miss Burns? She goes, well, Jack, we're all widowed. And down the street is a younger widow man. He's 72. And you see, all these ladies, when he moved in, they all went down the street with their pies and different things. And I made a casserole. I said, yes. And she goes, you're missing it. They put their pies in 10 dishes. I put mine in the glass dish because he has to bring it back. <laughs> I said, "Woo!" <laughs> now I laughed, but we had a lot of good discussions too about Jesus. Amen. Let me tell you about another moment of fellowship. I had a man that came into my life who wanted to make sure I understood the first thing about learning the Word of God. And I didn't know this. I actually talked to his wife this last week, but Randy was 37 years old when he came to Christ. When I met Randy, he was 55, and this was over 23 years ago. 
And I remember I was in college at the time, and Randy says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring your Bible, and I want you to come meet with me once a week or so many times a week, and we're going to go through the Scriptures. And we did. And as we read through the Scriptures and as we fellowshiped, he would ask me, Jack, what does that really mean for your life right now? And we talked about everything you can imagine, because the Bible speaks to our life. And, you know, as we fellowshiped in that, it began to sharpen me, and it began to build a relationship in me. But one of the most powerful lessons that Randy ever taught me through fellowship would come after I was married. Me and my wife Amber had been married a short time, and I got the word that Randy had three kids, and he lost one in an accident. That was 19. He was going down there to the community college in Paducah. And I remember I walked into the funeral chapel, and of course, you know how it is when young people pass away, it's always a long line. And, and I, I waited in line when I got around the thing there. His wife, uh, she's the only person in the world that's allowed to do this, but she calls me Baby Jack because my dad's an itty bitty guy, but I'm a big guy, so that's always a joke. And she says, Baby Boy Jack, we're glad to see you joking around. And uh, I hugged him, and I won't forget this. I watched Randy share the, the, the gospel next to his son's casket with every person. And I heard him say things like this. You're going to be tempted to think that God took away my son from me, but I want you to understand something. God gave me his son for 19 years to enjoy. And I was touched by that. So much so that when I get to this passage and I preach at any time to a church because it's the church that Christ died for, I think about the things that churches fellowship in. And when they really fellowship, when we get life on life, we, we magnify our joys and we divide our sorrows. Amen? But you know what? If you haven't gotten deep into the church, and if you're not in the Word, you probably haven't gone. I'm going to tell you, you're not deep in the church because once you get in the Word, guess what? That's what you really begin to fellowship in. You're missing out, okay? And there's probably some holes and gaps in your life right now, and there's some struggles that keep coming up, and you probably feel like life is just kind of giving you a raw deal. The reality is God's setting the stage for you to understand how His Word wants, how He can work His Word in your life, and He's setting the stage for you to have some relationships that you never had, and He's setting the stage for you to go in some places in your heart so you can grow as a person. Amen? Because that's how good He is. I heard a, heard a quote years ago. It says, Jesus loves you so much that he accepts you for who you are. But he loves you so much he won't leave you like that. Fellowship in the life of a church. This Tuesday, the seniors are going to come together. They're going to eat ham and beans. That might be pretty good. I like that with some cornbread. You guys do, uh, do cheeseburgers. I might even find you. You do a steak, I'll definitely show up, okay? <laughs> But you know what they, what they have opportunity to do as a, as a body of Christ? They have opportunity to come together and share their joys and their sorrows. That's what this early church was doing, and that's what God's called Bryansburg to do every day. And if you're not doing that, and you're a member here at Bryansburg, and you have not done that, you're missing out what the church is. And it's not anyone's fault. It's just your opportunity to come and embrace that. Amen? So here's what happens next, and it says, And they were breaking bread. Now, when you study this here, you know, fellowship means corneas, which is basically just a deep sense of fellowship. Then, you know what, one of the things is, is when people come together and they break bread, that's a deep time of fellowship. Have you ever tried to eat a meal with someone you don't like? You just can't do it. In fact, I have, a, I, have a, I have an ideal for people. What if we did our next presidential debate around the dinner table? That could be interesting. 
Of course, it could turn into a food fight. Who knows? You know, you got to watch it. But, you know, they were breaking bread together. Why? Because food is a physical need. And they were meeting needs and they were sitting together and they were fellowshipping and they were discussing the word and their conversation was around these things. And as they broke bread and as they loved on each other's children, on each other's parents, on each other's families, they began to share in life. There was good things going on here. But there's also a second form of breaking bread, which is also here in this text, and that was the Lord's Supper. They were breaking, they were doing the Lord's Supper. They was remembering the fact that the Lord had died for them when they came together and that the Lord had conquered death for them. These are all serious things that you are probably missing out on if you're not enjoying Jesus right now. Had a guy one day, I asked him, I said, what's wrong with your truck today? He says, simple, I got three good tires and one flat one. I'm not going anywhere. If you don't catch this truth in God's word, it's not glitzy, but it's just real plainly spoken. This is probably why you're not going anywhere spiritually. And it says that they broke bread together and they fellowshiped and they were enjoying each other. But what else were they doing here? They were praying and they were praying. What was they praying about? They were praying for each other. They were praying for lost people. They were praying for, for God to supply their needs. They were just praying that God would lead them. When was the last time you had fellowship like that? If you haven't had it, God does not intend for you to miss out on that. So it says, and they continue steadfastly. They were devoted to the teaching of God's word, the fellowship, the breaking of bread. And then it goes on here and it says in verse 43, and then it says, and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Now I, th I find this very interesting because I think it's important. As they were coming together, and as they were sharing in Jesus Christ, Jesus was coming to Gary, as we've heard the scripture say, we've all cited it, where two or more are gathered together, so will I be also. As the Holy Spirit was coming into their presence, as they were fellowshipping together, God began to do works in them. God began to change them. Look, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about in Mark 11:23. it says, if you say to this mountain, be moved, if you just have faith. You know what the biggest mountains are going to be in life? They're going to be people. The biggest mountains in life are people. We, can, we have devised nuclear bombs that can blow a mountain away, but we have still never found a way in all our ingenuity to change a man's heart. Mark Twain said it best, I never convinced a convinced man. Amen? The scriptures tells us that God is the only one that's ever changed hearts. God was changing their hearts. And as he began to change their hearts, then their actions began to change and people began to notice that they were being changed. And then as they began to notice they were being changed, more people began to come closer. And as they began to come closer, they began to hear the truth. As they began to hear the truth, more people's hearts continued to change and they began to experience revival. Amen. But a lot of times we say, well, our country need is, revi is revival, which is true. But guess what? Revival doesn't come until you and I embrace it personally. And they were personally embracing revival there. And it says, as, as their hearts were being changed, as their actions were being changed, as they were being changed. My friend Randy, Randy, when he was 37 years old, he was bitter because when he was 19, his father passed away. But when his heart was changed, it would later on be used to help be the heart that would change my heart. Your life and how you walk in your faith is so important. And it goes on here and it says this, and they, they believed. 
and were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and parted them all to men, every man who had need. And they continued daily in one accord in the temple, being breaking bread from house to house, and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. I had a lady come to me one time and while I was pastoring. She says, Pastor, you got to understand, my parents are fighting. I said, well, let's pr- well, tell me about it. And she goes, well, they drive a Honda Accord, but that's the closest they'll ever get to living in an Accord. And I sat there and I thought that was pretty witty, you know, and I leaned back. But as I listened to it and as I watched ministry over years, there's so much discord in people's lives because guess what? People forget there's one thing that's supposed to hold us together, and that's what? Jesus Christ. And as Jesus began to pull together people from different walks of life, from different attitudes, and they had different opinions. Hey, look, read the Bible. You ever wonder what Simon the Zealot was? A zealot, quite literally, if you asked a Roman centurion or someone who worked for Herod's government in the day, they were someone that they would regard as a terrorist. Zealots were people who literally wanted to overthrow the Roman Empire, and they were rebels, and they were fighting against the Roman Empire and anyone else who was helping them. In fact, zealots used to carry around a knife in their sleeve, and one of their favorite things to do, or one of their methods of terror was they would hit people like tax collectors and marketplaces, and they would kill them there and slide away in the crowd. And Jesus literally had saved one of these guys who had been a zealot. And guess what? There was a guy named Matthew, a tax collector. Can you not help but think people took notice of that? And in the early church, there were people who were from all different backgrounds, but they had Jesus in common. And look at what they did. And the same is true for the church today. How much more would God be able to do with Brinesburg? If you literally kept Jesus as your one accord in all things, so much more. And he's already done so much. He's already done a work in you, but is the work done? No. And it says in closing here, as Rodney comes up, it says, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. When people come together and people begin to get changed, they're going to do things that they normally wouldn't do. They're going to begin to do things God's way, and it's going to have an impact on people. And you know, Brinesburg, I think about you as a church over the years. This, this church, if you don't know it, has touched my life again and again. I've been one of many countless people outside your walls, outside your weekly fellowship that you have ministered to. But whenever you and I are changed, when you and I realize that no matter how many years we've been walking with the Lord, God still wants to do a changing work in us. God still wants to take us deeper in our relationship with Him. God wants us to go deeper and be in the church so the church can be the church. God's going to do some things that you wouldn't anticipate. I think of a humorous example in closing here. Years ago when they were fixing this uh, interchange down here on the interstate, uh, me and my wife was getting on the uh, was getting on the interstate there, and you know, it was all that construction. You know how it is. If semis don't get over, it about run over you, and, and it's just tough construction, and I won't forget it. We're getting on the interstate, and these guys go blowing by, and they had plenty of room, but they were just in a bad mood that day. You could hear them honking at others, and as they went by, they honked, and they um, made a gesture that wasn't very polite. And I'll be honest with you, I felt angry in my heart. 
Well, as we were going down the road right there, the construction had everything slowing down, and so our, our vehicle was pulling up next to theirs. And I watched as my wife began to roll down the window, and I thought, ooh. <laughs> now, I'm going to be transparent here, okay? I had two boys at the time that were real little. Or little and I, mean, I looked over my shoulder, and the only thought that really was in my head, because Jesus is still working on me, is do I say something or do I act like I don't see this? <laughs> I won't say I went with option A. I was kind of looking at the window, but watch it. And you know what she did? She started waving them. Hey, how you doing? And I watched these two guys turn beet red, and they started waving back. And you could tell her, like, who is that? And they thought they had made that gesture to someone they knew. And I started laughing. Oh, my goodness, I started dying laughing. God changes people when we first let him change us. Because the way we act... And the way we go out these doors will have a tremendous impact on others. Amen? He's calling you to be that type of church. Individually, that's how you help build the church. May God speak to you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with your relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.